This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health, discussing conception, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hey there, everybody. I'm really happy to be bringing you today's episode. I'm going to be talking with the co-founders of the Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for Women of Color, Divya Kumar, Jabina Coleman, and Desiree Israel. And these three amazing women, all postpartum support international volunteers, have come together to create a really fantastic and necessary resource, specifically as their name suggests, Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for Women of Color. And they're going to talk to us today about their mission and their vision and all of the things that they're hoping to accomplish with this really fantastic organization. And recently now they've become a partner of Postpartum Support International and they're a division within PSI which is a really fantastic alliance, and they're going to talk a little bit more about that. So to give you a little bit of insight into who these women are that we're going to be talking to, I have each woman in their own right is a force in the community and really does a lot of work for women and women of color. Divya Kumar holds a master's in public health and is a certified postpartum doula and lactation counselor. She works really hard to connect postpartum support with public health by addressing unmet needs in the the structure and the delivery of perinatal support services. She provides comprehensive perinatal support for women and families at the Southern Jamaica Plain Health Center. And that's one of four pilot sites in the state that's funded for postpartum depression prevention that she helped create. She facilitates support groups for new parents and workshops around the transition to parenthood. And she has another organization that she co-founded called the Every Mother Project, and that provides training and support for women, for women's health professionals around screening and addressing perinatal emotional complications. And Desiree is also doing quite a bit of work in her part of the world. She is a perinatal psychotherapist, a trained birth doula, Reiki practitioner, 
and owner of Postpartum Recovery, helping women decipher, as she says, the funk of motherhood through her practice in Baltimore, Maryland. She is a mother of two boys and using her own experience through postpartum depression and OCD, she brings a lot of compassion and hope and healing to others as a birth doula and a psychotherapist. And her practice is a perinatal safe spot through the National Perinatal Task Force and she's through the National Perinatal Task Force. And also Jabina Coleman is a licensed social worker and international board certified lactation consultant and has dedicated more than a decade of her life to protecting, promoting, and supporting breastfeeding. She focuses a lot of her work on educating women, families, and the community to make informed decisions about breastfeeding. She specializes in perinatal mood disorders and helping women and families adjust to motherhood and parenting. So as you can hear, these women are all geared up and ready and so as you can hear just from this little bits of their backgrounds and their qualifications, how much knowledge and wisdom they bring to this organization that they've co-founded. This organization, the Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for Women of Color that they've co-founded. I'm really excited to jump in here with you guys and let you hear for yourself how much amazing work that they're doing. Hi, welcome ladies. I'm so glad you're with us. So I would love for everyone to know a little bit more about you guys and the work that you do. So Jabina, can we start with you? Tell us a little bit about the work you do outside and inside of the Alliance. So I am a licensed social worker and an international board certified lactation consultant. I have been doing this work for about the past 10 years of supporting moms, children, and families around lactation work and more recently with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. I am a PSI member and volunteer, and I'm working on my private practice, the Lifehouse Perinatal and Lactation Services, supporting, again, women, children, and the community. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm excited to hear from you. And... Let's go to Desiree. Desiree, what kind of work are you doing right now? And please tell us a little bit about yourself. A lot of people don't know, but I'm a foster care social worker full-time. I've been doing that for about 10 years. And for the past two years, I've devoted my free time to perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and women of color. I also have a private practice, postpartum recovery, doing that work. So that's a little about me. Oh, fantastic. Thanks. I'm excited to hear from you also. And Divya, please tell us about yourself and the work that you do. Sure. I have a public health background and I used to work in sexual health and anti-violence services. And after I had kids, I started working with moms and families and I'm a lactation counselor and I currently provide comprehensive perinatal support at a local community health center, which is part of a state-funded pilot program. We run a weekly breastfeeding group. I also run a bunch of support groups for moms and families. And I've sort of tried to become a sort of connecting person in the field and to really bring together different types of professionals to approach working with moms and families around the perinatal period in a very interdisciplinary way. So you guys are amazing and that you guys all came together is amazing to form this alliance and to do this work. I mean, each of you are powerhouses in your own right. And then you are coming together for this amazing 
organization. So Divya, can you tell us a little bit more about what the Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for Women of Color is? Yes, sure. So we began as an organization because we saw a need for an agency created by women of color for women of color around perinatal emotional complications. I think a lot of times when women of color look for services and supports, it can be hard for us to find clinicians of color who have this specific expertise in perinatal mental health. And we know there are so many wonderful perinatal mental health organizations and clinicians that have a diverse staff, but there isn't this sort of organization with this lens, Mm -hmm. a full integration of issues of race and racism and culture into the work that we do, and not just sort of as a sidebar. And for something that carries the amount of stigma that perinatal emotional complications do, it can be helpful to see a face that looks like yours. Mm -hmm. And especially because all of these struggles are race and racism, it's not just like, oh, it's sort of on the side over here. It's intertwined with our struggles. Um, So we really wanted to have a place where that was centered. And, you know, the idea here is to sort of understand the ways that political, social, economic systems affect our experiences with emotional complications, as well as, of course, our overall individual and family experiences and relationships. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do to sort of integrate all of that into the work that we do around supporting moms and families of color who are struggling with emotional complications during pregnancy and postpartum. That's so powerful and it's so necessary. Thank you, Divya, for that explanation. And I think it would be also really good if Desiree, if you can share with us why a little bit more depth into why this organization started and what the need is. Yes. So Divya, Zabia, and I all live in metropolitan cities, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Boston areas where we see the discrepancies of women of color seeking treatment for services. So it can definitely be tricky to make accurate statements about the prevalence of perinatal mental health disorders in women of color because that group encompasses so many people from diverse ethnicities um, and socioeconomic classes. And research tells us that nearly one in five women will experience an emotional complication like depression or anxiety during pregnancy or the first year postpartum. For women of color, that number is nearly twice as high, about 38%. And we also know that the majority of women of color with a perinatal mental health disorder do not seek treatment for various reasons, including cultural stigma, the lack of access of culturally appropriate services, logistical barriers, and also the lack of insurance coverage. It's also important to recognize the effect of racial trauma that women of color tend to face over their counterparts because we constantly have to police ourselves because of Mm -hmm. the fragility of others, which contributes to our resilience, but also affects our chances of not seeking services from someone that doesn't look like us, like Divya said before, and who can relate. Right. That's so powerful too. I mean, all of this is so necessary. And really, I mean, you guys are filling a gap, a huge gap. I mean, I think people try and dabble in filling this gap, but to have an organization focused primarily on getting services and information and awareness and crushing stigma and all of those things for women of color is just amazing that you're doing it and so, so necessary. Jabina, can you share with us the missions or the goals of the organization as you guys have them now? 
This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Yes. So the mission of Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for Women of Color is to really provide a safe space for clients, families, and professionals of color around perinatal mental health, really to bring, bridge a space that's inclusive for pretty much every woman of color to be heard and supported around perinatal emotional wellness, as well as building partnerships within each state and community you know, so that we are building pretty much this alliance that's supportive and inclusive. So you guys have some really amazing ideas about where to take this organization. And I know that recently you connected with PSI, Postpartum Support International. Divya, can you tell us a little bit more about how that happened, what that's about? Absolutely. So like we've said, we've all sort of been involved with PSI in different capacities over the years. And, you know, whenever you're building capacity and you're starting something new, you naturally look for who your allies are and who you can collaborate and work with. And PSI has been a wonderful leader in this field for years and years. And we reached out to Wendy Davis, whom we know very well. And we said, look, you know, we're starting this thing and it could be really great if we could work with PSI. And she was kind of like, I'm really glad that you reached out. This would be so <laughs> great. And it was just a, such a wonderful, she's such a special, yeah. warm, thoughtful, all the positive things person. I just can't say <laughs> enough good things about Wendy. And so we kind of decided together that it'd be wonderful if our alliance could be part of PSI, like a division of program within PSI. It could just build so much capacity in terms of what PSI can do as an agency. Mm-hmm. And this way, you know, we wouldn't be starting from square one and reinventing a wheel and instead 
we could really align ourselves as an agency that has done so much work in this field already. So really everybody wins. Yeah, I guess I imagine that kind of having their support helps you guys to eliminate, like you were saying, those first steps and just kind of be on your way much sooner. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, our mission and goals really align with theirs in terms of Mm -hmm. reaching so many families, particularly folks who are underrepresented and underserved. So it really serves everybody very well. And this is a wonderful example of how agencies can play well in the sandbox. And when you Mm -hmm. collaborate, you know, your synergy is so overwhelmingly positive that it's really fantastic. Right. And it is a beautiful partnership. And I'm so excited that you guys are doing this. And I know that you have some really special and specific projects that you're working on. Jabina, can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we're working on several projects. One is a resource map so that we, very similar to what's already on the TSI website. So it's what's on their site is kind of get help. You can put in any state And based on your state location, it pulls up resources for coordinators and just resources around therapy support groups for new moms. And so we're hoping to also build something very similar to that, where we are focusing on organizations primarily for women of color, professionals and clinicians of color who we can direct our other women of color to for Mm -hmm. support. And so we're hoping to get a map, something very similar to theirs. And also another goal of ours, or I would say another project, is working on obtaining a coordinator of color for every state. And so very similar to TSI, where they have coordinators for every state to help, you know, support women in need when they call into their warm line. The goal is also to have a woman of color or a person of color in every state. And that person will just be another tool, another resource and support person to reach out to different communities that, again, is underserved and underrepresented. And lastly, another project that we're working on is a way to build financial capacity. And the way that we are thinking about doing that is having fundraisers like the Phoenix Walk to help clinicians of color who want to attend trainings for PMADs and around, you know, racism and oppression and just how to build this field of understanding and maybe doing some more research because it is a very, I know, you know, Desiree and Divya mentioned earlier, although we say women of color, like the stats, really, we need to really dive into what this means because it's very broad. And so, yeah, so those are a few things that we're looking forward to, the resource map, having a coordinator in each state of color, and also things like the Phoenix Walk to build financial capacity. Can I ask what the Phoenix Walks is? And so we're, it's kind of like in the, I guess you would say, we're really just thinking through it now. A Phoenix Walk would be for women of color to, what is it, like volunteer their time and to, you know, walk in support of education resources around perinatal mental health, specifically for women of color. We're going into communities who are underserved and or underrepresented to really talk to them, educate them about perinatal mental health and where they can get resources from. So really, it's just like a, I would say like an outreach to underserved communities. Would you ladies, I'm sorry, say the same that I 
sum that up correctly in terms of the Phoenix Walk? Yeah, I mean, ideally, we would have a sort of an event where people come together and it can look different ways in different cities. Maybe it would be like something where people like walk through their town or through like a common area in their community, or it could be, you know, a sort of more of an event that's in one area. But the idea here is to raise awareness around Mm -hmm. how perinatal mood and anxiety disorders affect women and families of color and with a fundraising component. Like I'm walking in this Phoenix walk, sponsor me in order to collect funds that way that would go back into a pot of money that folks like clinicians of color could apply for a grant to go to maybe Karen Kleiman Center, the Postpartum Stress Center, or a Seleni training are specifically around perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So it's just a way to sort of make more clinicians of color have more expertise around this specific area so that they can in turn serve more clients of color. Or perhaps it's white clinicians of color who would like to receive some sort of anti-oppression, anti-racist training around working with clients of color. So that's the idea. We know that PSI's focus is the time out of darkness walk, mm-hmm. and we don't want to be confused between the two. We are assisting them at this time with climb out of darkness, and eventually we, we, we will be phasing in the Phoenix walks. That's something that we always talked about when we started the alliance, and that's something that we want to see come to fruition. So we will always have the support of PSI, whether we do climb out of darkness or the Phoenix walk. Right. I mean, it's a great plan. It's so important to make sure that those types of awareness events don't get kind of lost in the mix like so many things do get lost in the mix when, you know, there are really big organizations or there are other big fundraising opportunities. I'm glad you're highlighting that that this is separate and it is important for it to be separate. It sounds very important to make sure that it is seen as a separate fundraiser because the goals that you guys have and the projects that you have are so needed and so necessary and the funding has to be there to support that. It's really great. And we have one last special project, Kat, and it's our debut at the PSI conference in July, and we're very excited about it, working on our presentation, basically talking about everything that we just stated about racism, oppression, cultural humility, and getting services to women of color, more services to women of color. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's such a great forum and format for people to be learning about the work that you do. And I'm hopeful here, too, that the folks who are listening now can really grasp the depth and importance of the work that you guys are doing and how necessary it is. And, you know, maybe and hopefully people are thinking also like, why haven't we been doing this forever? (laughs) It's just that important. And you guys are like the best people to do it. I love that you're doing this. Thank you. Yeah. If you feel like you guys did cover all of the main points of the organization, would you mind if we kind of give some highlights, like if there are real stories of real people that you've seen that needed this type of support and didn't have it and what happened for them and or anything along those lines, if there, does that make sense? To get people to understand the the why and the depth of the, yeah, and the depth of the need through a stories. Like, I don't, my, this is kind of not all over the place, but this is more so on maternal mortality and domestic violence, which is a whole nother 
issue, but I know for me in Maryland, the big push is opioid addiction, but it's kind of taking over what really is the issue for Mm -hmm. women of color Mm -hmm. in my state, which is, you know, the maternal mortality rate is high amongst women of color due to the hands of intimate partner violence. And Mm -hmm. those, those women seeking services for not just that, but also their, um, creating a mental illness, which, Mm -hmm. you know, segues into so many things. So, you know, Maryland has this whole opioid, I guess, what do you want to call it? Opioid. Well, yeah, crisis. I think it's very similar in the opioid crisis, which is also at my institution. We just started a new program that's very, very new on the opioid addiction. And so, you know, we're seeing moms around that. But, you know, we often, I think now we're at a place and in terms of the opioid addiction, where it's the face of the opioid population is very different and that is being highlighted and there's a lot of money going into it versus maternal mortality rates, um, right. which is really affecting women of color. And so, so yet again, we're on the back burner. <laughs> right. Yeah. Another thing that I think also should be highlighted is in terms of racism, race and trauma, you know, really highlighting the need for professionals of color to be able to identify with, connect with individuals culturally, um, Mm -hmm. to really get an understanding of, you know, how they can support, you know, that population. Mm -hmm. I work with primarily African-American, Asian, and West African women. And I can tell you there's a very different view of what perinatal depression looks like. Right. in each mm-hmm. population and how they identify with it. And so definitely having someone who is able to even translate it, it could just be the smallest thing as a word, right. right? On how and what that looks like. And just to have someone to really be able to support you with that, mm-hmm. I think is important. And that's a part of why we want to cre- also create this space. I don't know, Desiree, if that's where you were kind of going, but yes. This is why I think understanding things on the ground level is so important and your guys' vision and goal of having either a provider of color in each state or in as many places as possible who are on the ground and can speak to the regional differences and the city differences and the cultural differences that you're seeing with the people that you work with. Because this, as you guys have been saying, this one size fits all has not been working and it doesn't work. And to have, I mean, just the examples of things that you guys were just talking about is so important for everyone to hear that, you know, we can't just give a blanket training and assume that, well, yeah, even with perinatal mental health training, yeah, they'll go, like providers will go out into the world and have some knowledge about maternal mental health and that's awesome, but we need to be more focused and specific and giving resources that meet people uh, where they are and understand them within the space and context of their life. I mean, what you guys are doing to me anyways is exactly that. And it's so powerful. I saw a woman uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's about a month ago, who just came here from India and she is at home with her husband works and her husband's mother is staying with them as is like her tradition 
And she's had so much trouble with breastfeeding. And Mm -hmm. she came to our breastfeeding group. I'd gone to her house and done a home visit with her. And her mother-in-law was sort of telling her, oh, no, you need to do it this way. You need to do it that Mm -hmm. way. And I was trying to get her to switch her hands, you know, try to hold your baby with this hand, hold your breast with that hand. And when she came to the breastfeeding group, I was like, you know, I really feel like try switching your hands again. And she was like, well, my mother-in-law wants me to do it this way. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And she was like, no, but my mother-in-law says. And Mm -hmm. I was sort of like, it's really hard, but let's try it another way. And she looked at me and she was just kind of like, you understand how hard this is. And I was kind of like, yeah, I do. And, you know, I was born here, but I understand that that's very, very heavily part of how I was raised. And she was like, I know that you understand this. And I said, yeah, I did. And it's like, I hear you. I'm like, okay, you're here. Your mother-in-law's not here. Let's try this now. Switch your hands. Mm -hmm. And when she left, the woman who runs the group with me, she was like, I'm really glad that she saw you today because I almost couldn't come that day. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really do anything, but she sort of knew that I understood a piece of what was making that hard for her. And the woman I work with is amazing. She's this lovely, nurturing, sort of older woman who's very sort of grandmotherly. But I think just when you see somebody who maybe understands a unique part of you, it helps you soften. It helps you feel a little bit more safe. And so I think we really are trying to integrate that stuff on the interpersonal level, like working Mm -hmm. with clients, but also into the larger context of how does trauma come into this? How does immigration come into this? How do issues of class come into all of this work that we do? So interpersonal, meso, macro, systemic levels. So, you know. (laughs) And also, you know, we talk about utilizing a framework for cultural humility, right? And so Mm -hmm. really getting out there, the fact that we as clinicians are lifelong learners ourselves, and we should be learning from the clients and the community and the families that we interact with. And again, we've said it all that it's not a one size fit all. Mm-hmm. But as we are learning from our clients, you know, it just opens up a different window for us to be able to, you know, to provide work that is more meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. I'm Caribbean, and sometimes when I see my Caribbean clients in here, and we talk about how depression isn't talked about, mm-hmm. right, within the household, and they get that. And I can say, well, have you cried? You know, how often are you crying? And it's mm-hmm. like, should I say yes? And I'm like, it's okay. I understand. I understand mm-hmm. what it's like to have a Caribbean, West Indian mother and grandmother and aunt, you know, and it's like, yeah. and then you're able to kind of see the walls come down, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, okay, I can be vulnerable because I trust, I now have a sense of trust and this person really kind of gets me, mm-hmm. you know? And so the hope is to kind of bring more of that to the perinatal mental health world so that people aren't feeling left out and that they're able to bring their walls down and open up about where they are. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I mean, just on so many levels, this is, I can't say it enough how necessary and important your guys' work is. Well, thank you. Yeah. Desiree, were you going to say something? Sorry, did I interrupt? I was. Go ahead. um, Kind of piggybacking off of Jabina with just the culturally affirming piece. A lot of times, I guess you kind of stay in this, especially for therapists that have a social work background, you kind of stay in this this box of what you learned in school. Right. And there's so many different techniques, especially for clinicians to learn that are culturally affirming approaches, like, Mm -hmm. you know, learning to deal with a client from a Buddhist approach or learning into psychotherapy, which is an Afrocentric approach. So there are so many things, and we'll talk about this more in our presentations for PSI, about those approaches and how you can learn them or how you can integrate them in your services, whether you're running a support group or you're one-on-one in an individual session or a family session. So I think it's important for people to know that there are resources out there. Right. And I mean, also, I guess what I'm hearing, how I'm kind of interpreting some of what you're saying is that it there are strengths within the community, within the culture that you can draw on and use and work from that sort of a perspective as a two, as opposed to like, Absolutely. oh, there are only disparities and you are only living it with low income and putting people in a box of having only sort of these negative consequences. There are plenty of internal resources that people have that help them to survive and strengths that they have that it sounds like you guys would be focusing on as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Wow. I don't know how else to to say how awesome you guys are. I mean, this is just beyond necessary. And I hope you guys you know, have the full support of everyone in this community and other communities to really get this going and get this off the ground. And side note, I'm leaving all of this in the interview because I just want to sing your praises and everybody should know. Okay. So yeah, thank you guys so much for being with us and for explaining just this little piece of this massive work that you're doing. And I want everybody to know about you and I want everybody to know where to find you. So Desiree, can you tell people where to find you guys? Yes. So our website is www.pmhawoc.org. 
And we also have a Facebook page. You can search Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for Women of Color on Facebook. And we post articles as we see them about racism, oppression, cultural humility, anything that's going on in our cities or nationwide. And we don't have a Twitter or Instagram. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, great. So what I'll do, everybody who's listening, I'm going to have all of this information for you up in the show notes. And please, you guys go check them out and support these amazing women in their work. Thank you, ladies, so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So as you can all hear, this organization is doing amazing work from a really necessary and heart-centered and passionate place. And these three women are really bringing all of themselves and putting all of themselves into this. And we really want to help get the word out about this organization and get the support to the mothers in need and let women of color know that there's a safe place for them where their needs are being met and where they are being heard. And so some of the ways that we can do that is to start by going to the website. It is pmhawoc.org which is the acronym for Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for Women of Color. So what you can find on there is to sign up on their mailing list to be connected to them and updates on how they're expanding their projects. And another way that you can support and join in is go to their Facebook page and spread the word is go to their Facebook page and like that their organization, interact with them on there. They're very open to hearing from the community and getting feedback and expanding their knowledge of what's needed. And if you know any woman of color who needs very specific and specified support and wants that, please refer them over to the website and to the Facebook page. Additionally, they will be presenting at the Postpartum Support International Conference on their organization. So if any of you are going to be in Philadelphia for that, they are going to have an amazing presentation on the work that they're doing. And as well, for folks who are attending that conference, they're going to be providing a support group for professionals of color at the conference, which is so needed and such a special addition to the PSI conference. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I loved talking to them, and I'm really excited to share the work that they're doing with you guys. So go and connect with them on their website, on Facebook, get on their mailing list, and help spread the word about this amazing organization. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. 
The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.